Hello and welcome back to another caffeinated episode of Coffee Conversations. I'm Samantha Kaufman. I'm Father Andy. And I'm Deacon Bob. All right, guys, it is an exciting day because we are doing this podcast with number one, coffee, mm-hmm. and number two, wonderful banana bread made by one of our listeners, Rosemary. So, Rosemary, thank you so much. That is like one of our favorite things, mm-hmm. I think, is banana bread. So, yeah. thank you. We Makes talked th- about this a couple weeks ago on, on the, the podcast <laughs> about our favorite breads. Favorite kind of yep. bread. So, yeah. Oh, awesome. So, today for our opening question, let's talk about, have you ever been lost before? And who helped you find your way if you were lost? I'm a person that has no sense of direction, so this has happened several times. And if I was deserted somewhere, I probably wouldn't make it on my own, honestly. But what do you guys think? Have you ever been lost? I can remember two particular times that I've been lost before. The first one was I was probably five or six years old. I remember I was in uh, like a JCPenney kind of store with my mom. We were shopping and... I, like to, I used to like to hide in the clothing racks, like those circular kind of clothing racks, and I was doing that this day. And uh, <laughs> when I came out, I didn't see my mom anywhere, and I was all alone. I saw all these, like, these strangers. They didn't know anybody, so I started panicking. <laughs> it was probably only like five to ten <laughs> seconds I didn't see her. But, um, but yeah, I just in my panic, I, we ended up bumping it back into each other, and that was an amazing feeling of being found, mm-hmm. from being lost yeah. to being found. And then more recently, I was doing a trail run a couple years ago, and I got lost wherever I was. I didn't have my phone with me either. Um, thankfully, it was a like a Metro Parks kind of trail, so it was well kind of laid out. But it still took me a while to get back to where I was. I needed to find a map somewhere in a parking lot that I didn't park at. I'm like, okay, now what? where am I at in this parking lot? I need to go back to my own parking lot. Um, but yeah, it was uh, a little bit of a freaky feeling, but being in the in the woods wasn't as... Uh, panicky for me as I was when I was a, a child. There was a sense of like peace and like, okay, Lord, I don't have a phone with me right now. I don't know where I am, but it's gonna be okay. You're with me. We're together. Right. You'll you'll get me through this, and and he did. So, um, so yeah, that was a couple times I've been lost in my life. Yeah. What is a child? That pure panic. Is, it was is very real. I can still feel it. Yeah, I can still feel it. <laughs> oh. There's always those jokes about dads who don't ask for directions. <laughs> yes. Um, and normally I'm pretty good about directions and finding my way, but we were leading a backpacking retreat for high school kids. So it was mostly like juniors and seniors. Mm-hmm. And there was about 15 of us, and it was I was the leader along with another staff member from camp. Mm-hmm. So everything's going well, and then, like, the heavens opened up, and it was just pouring rain. (laughs) And we were about 45 minutes out from where we were going to be camping. And I knew there was one place in the trail where I always choose poorly. Um, (laughs) So it's pouring, and I chose poorly, and we passed the same place twice. And the kids looked at me and go, are we going in circles? (laughs) Are we lost? (laughs) So I looked at my buddy and I went, um, I, any thoughts? And he goes, nope, I'm, it's like raining and muddy and the path is hard to see. So I finally called my friend uh-huh. and I said, you know, I'm at that place where I always get lost. How do we get out of here? Hmm. Um, and so he talked me out of how to get my way back home. Okay. Um, but it was one of those places where I was lost before and got lost several times hmm. in a loop. So, All right. um, but we did. But eventually, get out. find your way. 
My biggest fear was being a camp story where people go, yeah, back in the day, you know, Gurdjieff got lost and we had a <laughs> camp in the woods and not where we were supposed to camp. <laughs> that was my biggest fear. I knew we were safe. I just didn't want to be a story. Uh-huh. story. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. I, there was this one time in kindergarten where I got on the wrong bus hmm. and and I guess someone might have just put me on this bus. It might have been crazy because there was a blizzard living in Northeast Ohio. Oh, we know yeah. the lake effect snow. Um, so I got on this bus and probably me as a five-year-old really didn't know I was lost. I just was on the bus kind of waiting to <laughs> yeah. be um, dropped off at my stop. However, on my mom's end, waiting for me to get off the bus. And when I did not get off the bus that pure panic as a parent where you do not know where your child is i can imagine that (laughs) side of it but so she ended up calling my entire family like all the italians came and just are on this hunt for me she also called the police to look for me and when the police officer said Ma'am, can you um, provide us a photo of your child? Oh, she geez. almost like fainted. She Whoa. said, and it's like, oh my, because it was getting, it was dark now, oh, no. and it's this blizzard. And then eventually, the bus garage got a hold of this bus driver that I was on that bus, and the lady goes, "Honey, do you know where you live?" I'm like, "Yeah, I know. You know, it's this street." And she said okay, yes, you were on the wrong bus. Let's take you back now. So it had to have been really late. And then finally they got me back to where I needed to go to my house. And, um, but that pure joy of like, in relief of my family realizing, Mm -hmm. oh my gosh, she's back home. And, um, you know, that peace. Mm -hmm. So did you ever ride the bus again? Yeah, they trusted that again. They said, let's make sure that you get on the right bus. And nowadays they do have a better system, I think, of making sure at least the younger kids Mm -hmm. um, are taken to their bus and the one that they need to go on. So, uh, all right. So anyway, that kind of leads us into who we're talking about today, um, which is St. Monica and St. Augustine, her son. This past Sunday, we celebrated the Feast of St. Monica, and on Monday, we actually celebrated the Feast of St. Augustine. Many parents really relate to St. Monica, Um, and today we'll kind of get into their story, but parents that really feel like their children are lost, and if they've left the faith, um, or they've lost all sense of trust with God, So really, we're going to look to St. Monica and St. Augustine's story to really help us navigate this common occurrence in our faith of people um, leaving and being lost. Deacon Bob, can you talk to us a little bit about this book that you have in front of us here? Um, And the book is called Return. Mm Mm-hmm. So um, a lot of parents, I would say probably majority of parents, that are Catholic are concerned about their kids, mm-hmm. maybe not practicing the faith at all um, for a lot of different reasons. And he goes through some of the reasons that people have left the faith and how, as parents, do we help our kids to return. Mm-hmm. So, um, Who's the author? The author is Brandon, and his last name is V-O-G-T, 
And oh. Sam, you'll put a, a link on the show notes about wow. how do you find more information. There's a lot of free things on the internet if you don't want to just buy the book. Mm-hmm. But his big thing is that our kids are God's kids, mm. and we just keep putting our kids into God's hands. That um, yeah. if we keep praying, God's still working in their hearts. And so the book return really helps parents at least listen to what their kids are struggling with and give some basic questions to ask. Um, most of the times we go, you just need to go to church. Well, mm-hmm. that's not going to help. So um, mm-hmm. hopefully as we talk through some of the topics in the book today and if people look online, mm-hmm. it'll help them as they struggle with um, praying for their child like St. Monica prayed for St. Augusta. Mm-hmm. So just a little brief uh, background on St. Monica. Um, St. Monica was born in what is now Algeria between the years 321 and 333. She was a very devout Christian, and she ended up marrying a man who had a very much a violent temper. Her husband was an alcoholic, um, and it was said that he was unfaithful to her. Her mother-in-law also lived with them. So you can imagine the different crosses she had to bear because the mother-in-law was very critical and mean towards Monica as well. Mm. But she still, you know, strived to work hard to live her life as a disciple of Christ and a witness um, to her husband and mother-in-law. So she never kind of gave up, Mm. um, definitely prayed for them throughout. She was very much friends with other wives in the neighborhood. Um, She loved being a mother to her three children, St. Augustine being one of them. But through Monica's prayers and witness of faith, 20 years later, her husband and mother-in-law converted to Christianity, Hmm. which is really cool because she had to have so much perseverance and to really just keep praying, keep praying. And 20 years later, they converted and turned their lives around. Um, Her husband died one year after his baptism, so they did have that year to kind of be together and live the faith. But on the other hand, her son Augustine, he was trying to figure out his life, and he wanted to do the things that he wanted, um, like a typical college boy, you know, (laughs) finding their way. Um, But his dad died when he was 17, so that's kind of that transition there. And Monica became very worried about Augustine. Um, You know, as a mother, she wants the best for her children. Um, She wanted him to be who God made him to be. And she never stopped praying for him. And she actually had a vision that Augustine would eventually believe, um, which gave her hope. It did. So, and and from her husband and mother-in-law, that conversion probably gave her hope as well. Hmm. But they both eventually traveled to Milan, I believe St. Augustine, he... For education. For education. And in Milan, that's where he met St. Ambrose, Mm -hmm. um, who is also, they're both a doctor of the church, but St. Ambrose was Bishop of Milan. And he... Augustine heard about Ambrose and wanted to, you know, seek him out as this mentor and Mm -hmm. really interesting. So St. Ambrose really helped Augustine to go deeper into the faith. Um, And he eventually baptized Augustine at the Easter Vigil in Mm -hmm. 387. Mm -hmm. 
But imagine that Monica's pure joy when that happened, when he was baptized into the faith. And later on, Augustine, he became a priest and later a bishop. But it was definitely all God's plan. Monica says, St. Monica, nothing is far from God. Nothing is far from God. So in St. Ambrose, it is said that he told Monica, you know, surely the son of so many tears will not perish. Hmm. So basically, you know, don't worry, he won't be lost forever. Right. Just a beautiful way, too, that, that God works through. You know, Monica certainly is is this kind of force of, of spiritual <laughs> growth in, in Augustine's life. And mm-hmm. just the reality, too, of, of how God is, is able to work through all of that and bringing Ambrose into both of their lives. Yeah. You know, Ambrose to encourage Monica to keep praying and Ambrose to then just kind of be this this um, instrument or uh, intermediaries of sorts of, of God kind of drawing Augustine into uh, into the, the fullness of the faith. So it's just, yeah, just a beautiful um, way to kind of see it all coming together in that way. Uh, so many things can be pulled from reflecting on just this mystery of these relationships here. Mm-hmm. It definitely took time. A lot of time, yeah. <laughs> and she yeah. never gave up. I think no. that's the important thing is mm-hmm. she just kept praying. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, and I imagine her example was spoke volumes to her husband and her mother-in-law and to her son. Yeah, just the power of her, the power of her own witness, yeah. Mm-hmm. It can be so influential on people. So. Sometimes that's all you can do that's is it. Mm-hmm. pray and be a witness. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, Father Andy, can you kind of talk us through of, you know, why do people often leave the church? Yeah, there, there are a lot of reasons why. And I think one of the things is to realize is that you know, it's going to be unique to the individual. Everyone's story is going to be unique and, and their own experience and that kind of thing. But there have been a number of studies that have been done um, about reasons why people either are or are not practicing their faith. And, um, you know, so there's a lot of reasons that we could kind of talk about. We'll just kind of touch on a few of the common ones today. Um, the first one, I think that's also the the most difficult to kind of you know, talk about even is just the fact that, you know, there are people who have been um, sadly hurt by someone in the church, whether that was abuse or mental abuse, physical abuse, something like that, mm-hmm. or being treated badly by a priest, a deacon, or a bishop, or given bad or poor information by a priest or deacon or bishop that has then led someone to just get the wrong impression or just, it's just a bad interaction. And so that kind of then causes them to uh, to, to leave the, the church there's also the reality, too, of people who have experienced some kind of trauma, maybe even completely unrelated to the church uh, proper, uh, but they've experienced some kind of trauma in their life, some kind of pain or loss, and then they've kind of thought, like, well, where's God in all of this, right? Mm-hmm. You know, or my, my, my mom died unexpectedly, and so, you know, God must not be real, or something like that. Or So there's these sad realities that, that people um, experience, there's also, I think, a segment of, of people who maybe have never really, quote, like, heard the gospel. You know, maybe their experience of church was a presentation of the gospel that really wasn't legit gospel, <laughs> you know? Maybe it was just a gospel that kind of just said, like, you know, just be nice to everyone, kind of like a watered-down version of the gospel. And if that's our understanding of the gospel, we might kind of walk away from our experience of religion with the sense of, like, well, why do I need all this religious stuff? If I just have to be nice, if that's mm-hmm. the essence of the gospel, then why do I need all of this church stuff? Mm-hmm. Um, 
but you know the gospel is meant it is life-changing and life-transforming uh, news but maybe people haven't experienced that reality there's also examples of people experiencing examples of christianity that are not the best <laughs> you know so uh examples of people who say they believe one thing but then live kind of not in accord with that just kind of a, a hypocritical way of living um mm-hmm. people might think christianity is, is irrelevant these days because their their concept of of our faith and our religion our beliefs in their minds at least seems like well we have uh, modern science now and technology and and this this belief system of, of christianity just is obsolete it's it's out of date we don't need it anymore maybe similar with that kind of thinking people just gradually just drifting away you know i think for a lot of people you know as they grow from childhood to adolescence to adulthood they're going through school all these years and their education experiences kind of mature with them as they grow up but for a lot of people they're religious or faith-based education doesn't kind of mature and grow with them in the same way. So as they get older into high school or in college and that kind of thing, a lot of people are still working with a um, like a rudimentary kind of understanding of the faith that isn't really connecting with them like it used to. Mm-hmm. And so they just kind of drift away and, and think like, well, that was maybe helpful when I was a kid, but now I don't really need it anymore. Um, that's really interesting of like the young adult age Mm -hmm. so once you do hit that college age Mm -hmm. a lot of it is okay um my parents think i'm going to mass but i'm really not Mm -hmm. this is my choice now yeah um and it is it is your choice once you get to that level usually Mm -hmm. um and then from there it might just kind of you fall away a little bit and you know maybe not come back for a while Mm -hmm. um and i think right now that is, and I'm in that young, and so are you, Father Andy, a little bit. <laughs> Maybe on the tail end. <laughs> tail end of the young adult um, yeah. age range. There is kind of this issue mm-hmm. of maybe they they don't feel that our churches have that sense of belonging for them. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think sometimes kids feel, young adults, or really any person, yeah. that because um, they're wrestling with some sinful area in their life then they don't belong or they're not welcomed Mm -hmm. when that's really not the case right right so yeah and i think that's that's another reason why as we're saying you know there's there's a dissatisfaction with um with the experience of like worship and that kind of thing i think a big part of worship i know a lot of studies have been kind of done on this like three aspects of worship that people really key in on are uh, hospitality hymns and homilies Hmm. Um, hospitality, hymns, and homilies. And if those, if one of those three or all of those three are, are off in some way, then a great chance that people are going to kind of drift away. So if, if hospitality, if, if I've never really felt that I was welcomed in the community, like I belonged, if I always felt like an outsider, that's going to be yeah. not good. <laughs> you know, the hymns, if like the experience of, of music just wasn't good in, in the worship, if it didn't, you know, lift my soul to God, um, that's going to hit people in a, in a certain way. Um, and then if the homilies, if the homilies never really inspired me or, or challenged me to, to more in my life, then yeah, that's also just going to be kind of a uh, reason for me to be like, why do I need this? You know, yeah. um, what's, what's here? What's, what's different about this place? So yeah, lots of more reasons that we could definitely dive into, but it's going to be unique to the person, everyone's experience, why they've left and not right. to, not to assume like, oh, you left for this reason or that reason. It's, you know, it's important, I think, to maybe engage with somebody 
you know, if, if there, if there's an openness in the relationship there to kind of say like, you know, yeah, just to kind of ask, you know, why, why don't you practice the faith anymore? Why, why don't I see a church anymore? Not in an accusatory way or like a condemning way, but just like a genuine, like, I want to learn. I want to, mm-hmm. I want to listen. So. And Brandon Voigt goes over some of those, how do you, like some strategies on how do you discuss with a person, whatever it is that took them away from the faith mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and how you can bring them back. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the ability to listen. Mm-hmm. That's the biggest key. one, I think. Mm-hmm. So that being said, you know, Deacon Bob, what do we do with that? Because this is an ongoing issue of, you know, how do we look to people like St. Monica and how do we pray our kids home? I think it was back in like 2018 at the parish, we had these little cards with the prayer of St. Monica on it. And um, we just invited people to write the first name of the person that they're praying for on this little card and then to return it and we would pray for them. And um, we must have gotten about a thousand cards back. That's how many people are praying for their kids. So the first thing would be to be a Monica, to pray for our sons and daughters and our friends nonstop. And how long did it take Monica? 20, 20 years, years for, <laughs> for husband, and, yeah. And, and so oh. if you're only like 10 years into it, um, you're not <laughs> don't, alone. Don't give up. <laughs> don't give up. And the second would be to be an Ambrose. How mm-hmm. do we help somebody else's son or daughter mm-hmm. hear the faith? And it was probably the exact same thing that their mom or dad told them, but hearing it from somebody else, like Father Andy, you might say something in a homily. Mm-hmm that touches somebody's lives and they go home and go, you know what Father Andy said? And the mom will go, well, I've been telling you that for like, you know, your entire life. So to be an Ambrose, evangelize as best you can somebody else's kids. Mm. Another thing would be to pray for an Ambrose for your son or daughter. Mm. Who's the person that can evangelize them in the way that, that they're able to hear and to listen to? Um, and then also asking St. Monica to pray for you, you know, mm-hmm. like how can she influence your life and your prayer to best address your child? Mm. But I think some of those things might just pick one and go with it. Mm-hmm. Right, right. We're going to be starting up um, our confirmation program All right. in just a few weeks. Mm. And a lot of the question of our catechists is, Am I making a difference in Mm. these kids' lives? Because it's like once they're confirmed, you know, I never see them at church anymore. Or Mm. um, I don't know if I'm doing enough as a catechist. And, you know, I'm like, you are. Because those seeds that you're planting now in the ninth grade, that might make a difference way down the road. Maybe 20 years later. Mm -hmm. um, Who knows? They might say, Oh, yeah, I remember Mrs. Kaufman saying that she was praying for me Hmm. um, in the ninth grade. And that really made me feel that that she cared about me and that she cares that I'm, you know, with Jesus and growing and deepening my relationship with Jesus. Mm -hmm. And so that spark may be way down the road. And some might be right then and there. Um, But you never know. So just keep going. Never give up with that. And that makes me remember that... um... You know, in, in Augustine's most famous book that he wrote, his Confessions, mm-hmm. he reflects on his relationship with Ambrose that developed. And the first, the thing that really kind of like hooked 
him with Ambrose was he said that it was the, the kindness of Ambrose that Ambrose was kind to him in a way that he had not experienced before mm. and so while he was certainly you know really taken by his his uh, intellect and his ability to communicate Christianity in a way that connected with Augustine Augustine said that it was his kindness that really kind of like pierced Augustine's heart in a, in a new way and like you were saying Samantha it's just that sense of like somebody cares in a genuine way for me, right? Um, that moves us into a space of being more open to the person and whatever they might be saying and how they're trying to connect with me and that kind of thing. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think we need to pray too for the courage for that person that we're praying for to reach out to somebody. You know, mm-hmm. like at the beginning we yeah. said, who, how did you find your way back or who did mm-hmm. you reach out to when you were lost? Sometimes we end up in that same loop of confusion or sin or lifestyle, right. and it's the great the grace of God I think that calls us back to how do I get out of here, mm-hmm. you know? Right. And hopefully then we can listen to an Ambrose. Right. So for our listeners, you know, we really encourage you to reflect on who was the Monica in your life who prayed for you. And who was the Ambrose in your life that really helped evangelize you? Mm-hmm. It's really good for us to reflect on that as we go forward, um, ministering to others as well and praying others home. So, and pray for those mm-hmm. people and the lost ones that you know of as well. And I would say if the Monica in your life or the Ambrose in your life is still living, um, reach out to them <laughs> and tell them you've made a difference. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So... As we kind of close here, you know, allow us to really help you pray for your child to come home. So what we'd like you to do is if you want to email us, uh, we'll attach our email to the show notes with the first name of the person you are praying for. And what we'll do is we'll add them to our prayer list for you. We do have two copies of the book Return that Deacon Bob was talking about um, that we will give away to the first two listeners who send us an email of someone you would like us to pray for. So I thought this week we can end with a prayer by St. Augustine. Um, It's a poetic prayer to the Holy Spirit. So let's go ahead. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Breathe in me, O Holy Spirit, that my thoughts may all be holy. Act in me, O Holy Spirit, that my work, too, may be holy. Draw my heart, O Holy Spirit, that I love but what is holy. Strengthen me, O Holy Spirit, to defend all that is holy. Guard me then, O Holy Spirit, that I always may be holy. Amen. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. All right, everybody, thanks so much for listening. Know that we're praying for you, and we'll catch you next time. God bless everyone.